This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider. It's mid-May and the phrase sell in May and go away is front of mind for many people. There has been a few sell-offs in the month of May for various risky equity classes like the S&P 500, New York Stock Exchange listed entities, etc. But there's always been this bounce back ability. Here to discuss the matter is Philip Saunders, who's the head of multi-asset growth at Investec Asset Management in London. I love the way that people talk about this sell in May and go away thing just because it sounds pretty, but it never really works. And it certainly hasn't worked yet this year, Philip. Yes, that's true. I mean, in a way, basically, it's one of these sort of uh, um, sort of standard expressions. And when you actually sort of uh, really test it against um, history, you know, actually the results are sort of you know fairly var- uh, variable. I mean, the, the logic is that when things were sort of you know less complicated and uh, um, and uh, you know there was a clear seasonality, basically, sort of. Uh, you know, people went to have long holidays and so forth. And markets basically, you know, they lack news and they lack liquidity. And so therefore, basically, if they were going to uh, sort of uh, have a bit of a relapse, it was a good time for them to th- th- them to have that re- relapse. Um, this time around, you know, obviously, we've had, um, you know, a, a sort of uh, a pretty punchy start to the year in terms of equity markets. I think they probably got way ahead of events simply because investors were so short at the end of last year, so sure that, uh, you know, we were sort of heading into, uh, um, you know, we're sort of finally heading into the sort of recession and bear market. Um, And um, but in a way, they've jumped the gun and we're sort of somewhat extended. And obviously, uh, you know, the expectations that, um, the U.S. and China were close to a trade deal, and everything was sort of moving in the right de- direction on that front. You know, which was sort of in line with the noises that had been coming out. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, the tone changed significantly at a time when equity markets were extended. So we've had something of a correction as a result of that, uh, and then throw in on top of that, you know, laundry list of uh, of rather worrying things like. Uh, um, you know the Iran America sort of standoff and various tankers having holes blown in them in the Persian Gulf, mm. um, uh, and some economic data that's been less than perfect, um, and you know you you your nerves are frazzled again, and um, and so there's lots of talk of basically, you know, we all doomed again. I remember around about a year ago, you said the risk to the U.S. market, the U.S. equity market, was not a meltdown because I was, you know, being perennially bearish and said, look, look what's happened now. What's happened with Facebook? I think it was actually February or March of last year. I thought this is this is the end of it. You said, no, I think the greater risk is for the melt up. Do you think the December to now rally is the melt up that you were talking about? And we could be risking now the prospect of a meltdown. Yeah, I'm 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 less convinced by that. I mean, last year, you know, in fact, coming into last year, yes, I was worried about melt up, um, and we've seen those episodes in the sort of late part of cycle, market cycles in the past. I mean, the most celebrated occasion, obviously, was uh, 1987. Also, the sort of dot com thing in the late 1990s. 
Um, and uh, and that, you know, at least you know where you are in the sense you get one of those sort of exponential moves, um, you know, on balance, basically, that tends to happen towards the end. So we saw an attempt at it in the early part of last year. Uh, and then it was sort of, uh, it, before it could really get going, it sort of faded away again. And there were obviously sort of these rolling sell-offs in various markets and eventually, you know, the U.S. market succumbed, you know, in, in, in the autumn. Um, also, the FANG stocks were sort of felt, uh, you know, they recovered, you know, very well from the sell-off last year, early last year. Um, and the market was pretty narrow. There was just about the only thing in equity markets that were going up during the year. Um, and, you know, that felt sort of as if it had a sort of tinge of the mania about it. Uh, but that obviously basically, uh, that, that, that sort of, uh, um, that pressure was sort of lanced, if you like, uh, to, to, towards the end of the year. So I think that, um, uh, I, I think, you know, ultimately conditions could come together to cause a melt up. And so there you need basically, obviously, sort of liquidity fuel. You need basically a lack of nervousness. You know, actually, this thing can go on for a long time. Um, and you need a reasonable fundamental story. Um, and, um, and, you know, that's, those conditions can come together again. This time around, okay, the Fed has stopped raising interest rates. And it's had a sort of, you know, significant rethink of, uh, of um, what, what its policy is going to be. Um, and, but it hasn't turned around and sort of, you know, actually loosened policy. It's continuing to shrink its balance sheet. Rates are being sort of kept on hold. Uh, and then you've got sort of obviously patchy QE going on in various other places and zero rates. Uh, so we haven't got basically sort of lots of liquidity sort of flooding into the system again. And in addition to that, um, you know, there's an economic deceleration going on, particularly in the U.S. Um, and so therefore sort of earnings dynamics, uh, you know, are not, you know, if anything, they're basically sort of moving down. Um, and in order to get a real melt up, you want them at least sort of, you know, you know, sort of uh, improving. Sorry to interrupt you, but you say an economic deceleration when you've got a 50 year low in unemployment, as Mr. Trump likes to trumpet about, and also GDP doing rather well as well. So where does the economic deceleration come from? Is it some forward looking model that you've developed? Uh, well, I think it's just a simple observation uh, that um, growth in the U.S. in particular was juiced by a lot of fiscal stimulus last year in particular, um, and that that was a sort of one-off kind of impulse, and that uh, the impact of that fades. So unless growth elsewhere in the economy picks up to sort of compensate, you know, I mean, the U.S. economy was sort of running at sort of a GDP rate of sort of 4% per annum at various points last year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, its sustainable growth rate on a longer-term basis is probably barely 2%. Um, uh, whatever Mr. Trump, President Trump would like it to be. So, yes, I mean, we have uh, an economic deceleration in the cards. Um, the global growth rate peaked, you know, about this time last year and has been in decline since then. Uh, the U.S. basically has been, you know, diverged, uh, which is obviously very supportive for the dollar um, and saw U.S. interest rates marching up for a period. Uh, but that now is sort of converging, you know, at a lower level. So I'm not saying we're sort of headed, you know, headed into recession, we're certainly heading into a sort of softer patch from a sort of growth perspective. Do you think the trade wars, the ongoing trade wars between China and the United States, the world's two largest economies by some measures anyway, 
and also the Iran situation are merely side shows at the end of a long-in-the-tooth bull market in equities. I mean, I, I think, yes, I think on balance they probably are. You know, in this particular cycle, and we've talked many times, and uh, you know, the, the, there's always been you know, quite a lot of sort of fairly crunchy things to become fairly you know, angst-ridden about. You know, we've, we really have climbed the wall of worry, and that seems to be continuing now. And, uh, and yes, I mean, I think U.S.-China relationships, um, the U.S.-China relationship is a very serious thing. Um, and things are not going particularly well at the moment. It looks as if they, the, the sort of backroom guys had sort of cobbled together a truce at any rate on the sort of trade front. Mm. Uh, and then when President Xi saw it, you know, he, <laughs> he crossed out quite a lot of it, by apparently. Um, and, and, of course, you know, that then sort of caused the reaction, you know, the sort of frantic tweeting from uh, uh, the, the good President Trump. So I think that, um, you know, literally the Chinese are not about to agree to what they regard as an unequal deal. Um, and, you know, the American hawks are basically pushing pretty hard to, uh, um, to, um, um, to get China to, admit, uh, to agree to something that is, you know, frankly, quite humiliating for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and surprise, surprise, they backed off. So I think that uh, I think they will eventually come to some kind of accommodation, uh, but they'll continue to be this face off, at least sort of on the technology front. Um, but this is an this is a known unknown. So effectively, to use a sort of Rumsfeld term, uh, and so therefore the fact that people are focusing on it a lot means that probably we should we we should expect it to be substantially discounted in the market. The Iran thing is a bit more rogue, and there are room for accidents and so forth. Uh, and demand supply in oil price, you know, in the oil market is pretty tight, uh, and so therefore, you know, actually, we're probably rather more concerned about that as a risk. So you've got a sort of weaker growth type environment. Uh, Chinese, the Chinese economy seems to have stabilised, but it hasn't got much traction, um, and you know, equity earnings are tending to basically sort of moderate. So um, you, we've got this sort of loss of traction. So I think we're in a corrective environment. You know, is, are we going to see a panic attack as serious as the one we saw towards the end of last year? Really don't think that's on the cards, but that might mm. be famous last words. Okay, famous last words. And my famous last words to you in the form of this question is, do you have a feeling of deja vu? When you see companies like all entities like Pinterest coming to the market and Uber, which has openly admitted that it's not going to make any money for a while, but uh, the prospects are there for it to diversify its portfolio of investments in tech and do something in the future. When they come to the market and when cannabis companies come to the market and have these extraordinary valuations and now synthetic meat companies come to the market, do you not think of 1999-2000, Philip Saunders? (laughs) Yes, I mean, I think that um, I, I think that um, you know, there are, and it's the whole unicorn thing as well. And, and I think there's probably sort of you know a bit too much of that of, of that going on. You know, I think it's basically it's a, there is a thirst for growth, uh, and and so therefore, I think that in this particular cycle, basically, we've had another you know the lure of um, tech companies, you know, is proving to be quite attractive. But if you look at the you know, valuations on the sort of more serious businesses like sort of Alphabet and uh, and, and, and the like, mm. you know, ratings are not outrageous. You know, investor positioning might be a bit long, 
Um, but but basically, unless they're going to suffer fairly sort of significant sort of uh, loss of momentum on the earnings front, you know, actually, you know, they're not in bubble territory. So you've got some sort of mini bubbles, but in the greater scheme of things, basically, you know, mini, mini bubbles can bubble away. Uh, and um, you need some sort of maxi bubbles going pop uh, but to, to, to really sort of change things. Uh, and it doesn't, I, I think we're, we're not there yet. And you could tell me that, you know, art prices are a bit nuts at the moment. <laughs> you know, so we are clearly in a late cycle environment, um, but late cycles can continue for quite a while. You know, late cycles are normally characterized by inflation going up, but where's that? Uh, interest rates going up, you know, not much sign of that actually now. Uh, so, so you know, again, basically, um, you know, the brakes are not being slammed on particularly hard anywhere. In fact, actually, probably quite the reverse. What's your late cycle positioning as head of multi-asset growth at Investec Asset Management in London? What are you up to? We're being pretty dull, you know, because we basically felt that, um, you know, market's too weak at the end of last year. So we added quite significantly to we, we'd, we'd got quite defensive. Um, uh, we then felt that basically valuations had corrected quite significantly um, and we didn't see um, a, cut, a looming recession. Um, and so therefore, we felt that was a good opportunity to sort of add back exposure, which we did. Um, and we've nudged that down a bit uh, and we continue to run with quite significant defensive offsets in the form of you know long-dated US Treasury bonds, which are actually performing pretty well at the moment. Um, we've got some yen and we've got some options. So, you know, balanced position. Um, you know, it, it's not that exciting, um, but um, but we think that's probably the right place to be for the time being. So if we see um, earnings traction picking up again, then we might basically tactically sort of um, sort of nudge that exposure up. If if we think that uh, the fundamental economic environment basically, you know, that there really is. Um, a more material risk of recession, uh, then you, you know equity risk premium, particularly in the U.S., don't really sort of compensate enough for that us for that kind of scenario. So I think that um, each way better at the moment. Philip, thank you so much for your analysis. That's Philip Saunders, and Philip is the head of multi-asset growth at Investec Asset Management in London.